Hi, I'm Lily. I'm Rob. And I'm Vivian, and this is The Garbage Club, where we watch a bad movie and then tell you to watch it also. Uh, And this week we watched The Huntsman, The Winter's War. It's actually just The Huntsman, (laughs) colon, Winter's War. No! Not another the. (laughs) I thought that name sounded stupid. So I'm the one that suggested that we do this movie. I actually saw this movie in theaters the week it came out. I had read a review on io9. I don't know how I found it because I don't read io9. (laughs) But it's by a person named Charlie Jane Anders. And she really went out of the way to explain why this movie was such a rare treat. It manages to be less than the sum of its parts, which shouldn't really be possible. But it is. It's got a bunch of spectacular actors. It has amazing CGI. It has incredible costumes. It has an awesome soundtrack. Halsey and Lord are on the soundtrack. And it is a terrible movie. Just the worst. It's so bad. But it's so fun and awesome because it it works out along those other axes as well. Rob, did you want to say something about how that movie managed to be so bad? (laughs) Um, The writing. Yes, and we will talk about the writing later. I have a degree in that. Only only the writing? I feel like more went wrong. More, Yeah, there's a lot that went wrong. The acting, the accents, but oh my God, the I want to talk about the writing. I have notes on that. But first, in case any of our glorious listeners haven't seen this gem of a movie, <laughs> I will summarize it and i have to say that the reviewer who made me want to see this movie didn't even bother to try to explain the plot but for you garbage club members dear readers (laughs) you can't read a podcast (laughs) that's the joke for the members of the garbage club the garbages if you will (laughs) the the garbos the garbos garbos. okay So the movie starts with the queen, played by Charlize Theron, straight up murdering a guy for no reason. We never hear about or see him again. The motives are unexplained, but we do know she's evil. I think they do explain the motive. She wants his kingdom. No, she wanted the mirror. He had the mirror? Yeah, he had the mirror. I thought she wanted his kingdom. I mean, she wanted his kingdom also. Okay, this is how baffling (laughs) this movie is. (laughs) <laughs> and also, why does murdering a king give you his kingdom? Exactly! It doesn't make any sense! And, like, I don't even know if we for sure knew he was the king. No, they're just playing chess, and then she poisons him through the chess pieces because she has magic. I guess. I think the point of the scene is just to establish that she's evil and has magic. She's power-hungry, and she's willing to kill. You know the type. <laughs> That's a new character trait. <laughs> I haven't seen that trope before. Okay. But she also, this evil witch, I mean, not witch, queen, also has a sister who's yes. not an evil queen yet. She's yes. not an evil queen yet. She's not even a witch yet. Uh, and in they fact, have she's, this. She's in love. Oh, yeah. she is in love. Oh, the worst. Well, they have this incredibly expository conversation where she's basically like, my magic hasn't ignited yet. And her sister, Charlize Theron, is like, but it will, sister. Wink, wink. And she's like, what if it doesn't? And the other sister's like, our whole family has magic. Your magic will ignite. So you have that 
established. And these aren't like these aren't like young characters. They're definitely meant at this point yeah. to look like they're middle aged. Yeah. yeah, Emily Blunt, yeah. Charlize Theron. But maybe they have extended lifespans because of the magic, so they're still yeah. early in their Emily Blunt definitely when she so when she unlocks her magic powers because her baby exploded. Yeah. Oh, I haven't even gotten there yet. <laughs> yeah. So let me back this up. So the non-evil, non-magic sister queen, she's in love with someone that she can't marry because of court politics. Again, totally brand new plot point. Never seen that before. Because of reasons. Yeah. yeah. It's not, he's engaged to another princess, but you never really hear about or see her. You don't even know if she, he's engaged. He just says he's promised to another. They don't even establish like if he's a nobleman, if she was a nobleman. He could be promised to another dude. This could be a very progressive fantasy kingdom. Yeah. So I'm sorry I said princess. It could be a prince. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so she can't be with him, but she ends up getting pregnant by him. And then the baby explodes in an act of totally over-the-top baby murder <laughs> that the movie seems to imply the father was behind. Because when the baby explodes, he's there jumping through a window. It's very confusing. The, only the crib had caught on fire. Yeah. This yeah. wasn't like a fire that wrecked the nursery. It's just like a no. very concentrated baby explosion. Either the baby itself spontaneously combusted or someone, uh, wink wink, used a very targeted magic spell like to, to, to only set the baby on fire. But if the dad killed the baby... There was also enough fire that like Emily Blunt is... She's just, like, chilling outside, and she's like, huh, I wonder how my baby's doing? I should glance over at the tower that my baby's in. Yeah, right. And it's on fire. (laughs) But when she gets up into the room, like, it's, like, that amount of fire coming out of the window was clearly, like, the whole room was on fire. But when she gets there, only the crib, like, the crib hasn't even really been charred. Is it possible that, like, the room that she gets to where the crib is is actually a different room, and they just pull the crib out for some reason i don't think, I think so. we're seeing way too much <laughs> okay let's get back to the summary baby is murdered with fire because of this baby murder it's very tragic the emily blunt queen whose name is freya she mm-hmm. has her magic yeah. powers ignite so that Chekhov's gun is just off um and then she her magical powers are ice And she becomes an evil ice queen, and she takes over the northern kingdom by freezing it in ice. And then all of the villagers who live there, she just goes and kidnaps their kids and turns them into child soldiers. You know, as you do. Yeah, a charming summer fantasy tale of child slavery. This introduces my entire main gripe of the movie, which is, like, if she had the opinion that, like, all children are unsafe and she's the only one who can, like, make them be safe by protecting them, and, like, she loves every all of the children of the kingdom, like, too much... That would have solved so many plot no. holes. Yeah. But the reason <laughs> but no. that she kidnaps the children is to keep them safe, wait for it, from love. Dun, dun, dun. Because she determines in sort of pseudo-Buddhist fashion that the reason she is suffering is because she loved her baby and her boyfriend. And the baby exploded and she couldn't be with her boyfriend. So love is evil. So the whole point of her northern kingdom is that 
you're not allowed to love. She even states, like, there is one rule here. You are not yes. allowed to love. Yes. Which, like, there are definitely other rules there. Like, you are a kidnapped child slave. Like, there are a lot of rules that govern that. <laughs> it's also just the hackiest writing. Like, how do we make someone evil? What's an evil villain like? I know. Someone whose stated motive is, I hate love. That's it. That's just the end of it. That's, there's no complexity. There's no other dimension. It's just, I hate love, and it's against the rules. Yeah. That's the bad guy. So, one of the small children, who's a soldier, grows up... To be Chris Hemsworth! What? And he's just, like, the chuckliest guy. Uh, he's having a good time being child enslaved. Yeah. He's, like, yeah. walking around his, like child soldier training grounds just like almost getting shot in the face and chuckling and grinning yeah he's got some weird maladaptive coping mechanisms oh yeah he's straight up just like there's a like new batch of child slaves who have been brought in and he teaches one of them to cope with it by making mean faces yeah this is also the only time he is like something other than chuckly also like that's clearly not his coping mechanism. <laughs> so why did he teach the child this? So along with the Chris Hemsworth character, whose name is Eric, because someone was just like, what's a name that dudes have? It Eric. Sounds, sounds vaguely Nordic. Yeah. It's set in a fantasy world where there are moss turtles and melting gold ladies, and you named your protagonist Eric. Which just makes me sad as someone whose favorite part of character creation is naming them. And then there is his f- female love interest child Whose soldier, name is... Sarah. Sarah? Because <laughs> again, Creativity why not? is not this writer's strong point. And her defining characteristic is that she never misses. Oh, that, that is it. That is her yes, only defining her characteristic. Character. She's a really good archer. She's a red-headed female badass archer allegedly scottish allegedly scottish this is also my favorite way to introduce a character uh they don't like trade names or anything and introduce themselves to each other the way we find out their names is uh freya emily blunt uh has one of her like servants come up and is just like you tell me the name of the boy and the girl. And I was like, what do you mean the boy and the girl? You have so many child soldiers. And then the soldier literally says, which boy and girl? <laughs> to which she replies, the best ones. And the best then ones? The, the, the minion is just like, oh yeah, you mean Eric and Sarah? Uh, everyone knows Eric and Sarah are the best. <laughs> they're the best. So this movie has established that they're the best by having they're one the of best. the characters tell you tell us that they're yes, the best that they're the best this is just a master class in shit writing <laughs> yeah well speaking speaking of master class in shit writing this also reminds me that uh so right after there's like this horrific scene of showing freya coming into power and stealing all the children immediately after smash cut to them all getting trained and they're all having a fucking blast. Yeah. It's never reinforced that they have terrible lives as child soldiers. It's just like, oh yeah, we're actually getting trained and being badass, and this is great fun. Like, That's something happens? that kind of kills me about this movie, is the abrupt tonal shifts. They could have totally gone for a Game of Thrones 
Dark Knight Rises, gritty, grim. This is a fantasy world where everybody is sort of traumatized and it's run by violence and magical rulers who are basically just fascists who can shoot ice out of their hands. And that would be interesting. Or they could have gone with like, ah, we're fantasy warriors, we bonk around, we're good at stuff. But they open the movie with the murder of a baby and a bunch of kidnapping of child slaves and then you go on this magical romp with some dwarfs and it's just like how am i supposed to feel yeah it's just yeah. a fun right movie <laughs> but the dwarfs are once again we're getting ahead of ourselves yes, because we, we miss when uh, when eric and sarah oh they make they break the rule they break that one they, rule oh they I mean, fall in love they fall in love they make out in a hot spring oh and how do they get caught oh the ice owl the ice owl was hands down my favorite part of this movie because freya has this i don't know uh ice owl she controls and it's a spy somehow despite being raised by freya basically eric and sarah have no idea that ice owl spy is a thing so they get caught because emily blunt is watching them make out in a hot spring which is very creepy emily blunt don't do that to people but she does get to wear a really badass mask while she controls the ice owl yeah it's this cool vr oculus thing that she puts on so cool and it looks like it's made of almost like translucent wax i think it's supposed to be ice it is supposed to be ice, but, like, it, it's also not shiny enough to be ice. It's magic spy ice. But it's still real impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's magic spy ice that lets her control her magic ice yeah. owl. Yeah. Uh, to spy on people kissing. But, I mean, that does bring up the fact that the the costumes in this movie, like, the set pieces themselves are fantastic. Yeah. Like, they clearly, they clearly had quite a budget for this movie. Mm-hmm. They just didn't spend any of it on the writers. <laughs> <laughs> it was all the, they finished shooting the movie and then they were like oh shit we need to spend money on okay, do we stuff need, <laughs> we need a plot ah fuck it we'll edit it in post we'll adr all of it that explains some of the accents too <laughs> just computer generated voices there you go yeah that was yeah it. so the accents in this movie are supposed to be scottish and they're just they sound like two drunk seventh graders in the school play. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Just like, um, they, what Sarah's character, like her accent changes like dialect and like regionality, like on a scene to scene and sometimes mid scene basis. Yep. Sometimes mid sentence. Lily was telling me about how great the accents were when, when we were watching it. But like I and at the time it was it was before I think he got together with uh, Jessica Chastain and I was like Chris Hemsworth doesn't have an accent he's just British but he eventually starts being Scottish. <laughs> yeah, it's like some days some days of filming he just forgot that he's supposed I to have a Scottish so. accent. He thought that being British was good enough. They had thirteen dollars left after the CGI, and they were like, "We could get a seven dollar writer and a six dollar dialect coach, or a thirteen dollar writer." And I think they went for a thirteen dollar writer. These are good actors too. Yeah, oh, like yeah. Jessica Chastain is legit, and they're just romping around this movie like I don't know why I'm here. I mean, there's this regular expression on Chris Hemsworth's face, his face, just like. 
what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, if he had, like, I'm ass- I think we're assuming that, like, you know, they didn't read the script or something. But even if they had read the script, they still would not know what they were doing at any point in this movie. No. <laughs> and how they had got there. No. I've seen the movie a dozen times, and I- there are still parts where I'm like, I'm not clear on what they're doing. Speaking of the movie being impossible to summarize, let's continue. So the two fall in love, Eric and Sarah, and the queen finds out, and they're going to sneak off and run away together, but she catches them, and she's like, hey. And it's very unclear whether this is the morning or the evening, whether this is immediately after the hot tub scene, but mm. they're just there. They're trying to leave, they, and they, she's also yeah. there. Mm-hmm. They even say something along the lines of, like, let's sneak out tonight. And then they cut to it totally not being night. It's bright out. Well, maybe just the Ice Kingdom? I don't know. It's Sun? (laughs) I don't know. At some point, the timelines in this movie are... It doesn't matter. They're going to leave. They're going to run away. And they're going to walk straight out the front driveway of the Ice Kingdom. And the Ice Queen is there like, hey, you trying to run away? And they're like, uh... We're in love. We're going to leave now. And she's like, you can't be in love. And they're like, well, fight me about it. And there she's like, okay. So then a whole bunch of her other child soldiers that are now grownups come out and fight them. And you get the first of many amazingly cheesy, over-choreographed fight scenes. Oh, she she even says, like, they're, so Eric and Sarah are, like, across the courtyard from each other. And she's like, you can go if you can touch each other. Yeah, if you can get to each other. Yeah. Prove that the power of love overcomes all. So they're fighting people and running towards each other. And then the evil ice queen shoots up a wall of ice between them. And now this is a very important part because this is key to why I hate this movie's (laughs) writing. The Eric, Chris Hemsworth character... He sees his girlfriend get straight up murdered on the other side of the ice wall because the ice wall is clear. And he's like, oh, no, she's dead. I should leave. So he turns to leave and then he gets stabbed and then he looks like he's dead and they throw him in a river. At which point you're like, well, I'm definitely positive they didn't just murder both protagonists. So you're kind of just waiting for the next scene there's no emotional impact then chris hemsworth like floats down the river Uh and then they do a very quick overview wrap up of snow white and the huntsman yes Yes, this movie is both a prequel and a sequel so while panning over some trees the narrator just explains some stuff to you about the evil queen and snow white and the huntsman and stuff. I, I do yeah. enjoy that they have absolutely zero faith that you've watched the first movie. <laughs> Which is true. Yeah. I watched this without having watched the first movie. But I like... Oh, I haven't seen the oh, first movie. Okay. Me neither. But they, they had such utter confidence that people only were going to watch <laughs> Winter's War. They're like, don't yeah. worry, guys. We'll, uh, we'll not summarize this movie once, but twice. Because the prelude <laughs> to the, the scene uh, where she's in the room with the king and kills the king while they're playing chess is uh, the narrator, once again, uh, going over the entire plot of, of Snow White and the Huntsman. Right, about how the mirror is evil yes, and yeah. very powerful. Yeah. 
But then, then they just go like, and then the Huntsman went down, joined up with Snow White, and killed the Gold Queen. And now the Huntsman is just bumming around in the South. It's. I think it's implied that he's like a mercenary or a bounty hunter. He's just yeah. taking odd jobs. But this is what's crazy about it. There's this evil queen in the north who's taken over massive amounts of territory. It's actually Literally implied, half the world. Yeah, it's implied that she's taken over almost all the territory there is to take over. And there's been one guy, quote unquote, the best, who has escaped. So he should be the most high profile defector <laughs> in the entire good kingdom, right? Like everyone should know who this guy is. This mm-hmm. is like... I don't know. This would be like if Steve Bannon joined the Rachel Maddow show and is like, yo, I used to be one of those guys. Now I'm one of these guys. This is a big deal. So instead, he's just bonking around and it's implied that the Ice Queen didn't know he was alive for the seven years that have elapsed. She thought he was dead when they threw him in the river. It's it's like if Trump thought that Snowden is dead. Yeah, like what? Which I'm not... Yeah, That might be true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, who knows what Trump thinks about anything? He doesn't have a narrator explaining things to him. So it's been seven years. This guy, thinking his girlfriend, the love of his life, is dead... I guess technically wife. They had like a fake marriage oh, ceremony yeah. with the necklace. She was just like, we're married. That did not seem legally binding. I yeah, mean, it wasn't legally binding. <laughs> Since it was performed in a country where love is against oh, the law. Oh, it definitely wasn't legal I don't in that case. Any marriage I forgot about oh, yeah. that. Well, they didn't have any witnesses yeah. or a priest. No, they did. They had the ice owl. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's actually really important. And now that I get back to it, and this is important for how crap the writing is. So while they're exchanging their made-up vows, she takes a necklace off that her mother gave to her, the mother that she hasn't seen since she was kidnapped, and she puts the necklace around his neck, and they're like, now we're married. And they exchange these vows, and his vow is that he will never leave her side. So that's important, that he has this necklace of hers, and that he has promised never to leave her side. Okay, so seven years later, he's bonking around in the forest. He's got Just some dwarves. Chuckling, grinning. Oh, so much grinning. <laughs> he knows he looks like Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> and some random, like, military general starts talking to him because they're moving a mirror. They're, they're moving the evil mirror. Yeah, there's this evil mirror. And now, it's gone missing. Yeah, so it's this round, golden object that contains a powerful and evil force and corrupts those who carry it. Just some brilliant creative work here. (laughs) Never seen that trope before. It also looks nothing like a mirror. Yeah, it looks like a giant plate. It does. It looks like a bowl, actually. Yeah. It looks like if you were going to have, like, a banquet scene in a fantasy movie like this, this would be what you put, like... The chicken and like the or like the whole turkey and all of the grapes. It looks like what you would baptize a baby in in like 1600s Italy. hundred <laughs> percent, yes. Yeah, like it's it's crazy to me how much they had to spend on all of these like specialized props and everything, and just how shit the mirror looks. It's just a big gold circle that's evil. How is it evil? Why is it evil? No, we don't, don't worry know. about it. Just don't. Don't worry about don't it. Don't think about it too hard. 
So this guy goes and finds the huntsman, and he's like, yo, this mirror, uh, we've got an issue with it, and we'll pay you a bunch of money to go deal with it. And these dwarves that are traveling with the huntsman are like, hey, we like money, because, you know, dwarves. And so the three of them set off to pursue the mirror. Oh, but during that meeting, during that meeting, Chris Hemsworth is like, wait a second, and just throws an axe at the ice owl. Oh, yeah, there's an ice owl spy. Which he suddenly realizes exists. Out of nowhere. Yeah, he didn't know that before. But he knows it now, somehow. Yes, and also now the ice queen knows about the mirror. Also, shouldn't she know that the huntsman is alive? Yeah, she saw yeah, him. She, she like <laughs> the ice owl shatters, and she just slowly takes the mirror off, or and the, then the mask. And the mask, yeah, and turns to the guy who th- was in charge of throwing Chris Hemsworth in the river, and just goes like, "Did you know that he is alive?" And the guy who threw him in the river is just like, "I." thought he was dead and then the scene ends yeah he did not do his due diligence as a child soldier there's no like i'm so mad i'm gonna like kill this random guy like moment of just like oh we're gonna show off how evil this character has become it's just like oh now i know well they need him for later he's a guy he's the only other he's the only other child child soldier who has like screen time but he still doesn't get a name i think he has a name i don't know what it is dax he has a super fantasy name unlike almost everyone else in this movie (laughs) the one we can't remember yeah (laughs) so they go looking for the mirror and they find the mirror they they find a spot where they're just in the middle of the woods and there's just a bunch of dead people yeah oh yeah and chris hemsworth's character somehow just you know, he looks around, he surveys it, and then he perfectly plays back everything that happened. To be fair, uh, Batman and Arkham, in, in the latest Batman game, Batman has the exact same ability. So Chris Hemsworth is just Batman. Okay. It's easily explained. <laughs> I've thought a lot about this scene because it's very confusing to me because it uses a lot of visual and musical cues to imply that something very serious is being revealed. And I actually couldn't figure out what. This is, I teach my students how to recognize when something is a reference, even if they don't get the reference. Even if they haven't read the Shakespeare play, they can tell, oh, something's being quoted, something's being referenced. And so I'm like, what is this scene trying to do? What it's trying to do is, one, establish that Chris Hemsworth character is a genius tracker. So these flashbacks that we're seeing are not just the movie trying to show the audience. We're actually trying to show his internal thought processes as he moves through the forest being the best. The Huntsman. Which is cool. It's a cool trope to show a very talented character being very talented. That's what people like about Sherlock. But it doesn't work. It's just confusing. You're like, what are we seeing? The other thing that this scene is supposed to do is cement exactly how evil the mirror is. Because what happened is the queens, the good queen, the nice queen, Snow White, who you never see in this movie, her soldiers are the ones transporting the mirror, and the mirror corrupts them, and they turn on each other, and they kill each other. 
which is supposed to be clear from the scenes. And so what Chris Hemsworth is picking up is like, something terrible happened here. These men who were brothers in arms, they turned on each other. And he's seeing that based on whose arrows are in who and how they're dead. So the audience is supposed to be in on this journey of like, I've just realized what a terrible thing we're dealing with but it's so chaotic and poorly shot and poorly written that it's just nothing. It's just like a guy and some noise and some soldiers. And he's like, we got to go that way. And you're like, okay. Yeah. And I don't, I just, I feel weird. Like where they go with the mirror plot line from there just kind of makes no sense because he has zero, like his only clue is like, oh, they all killed each other. Well, he also, he finds a goblin spear in one of them, which kind of, I feel like that uh, doesn't help clarify the plot point that they all killed each other. Exactly. And then goblins came and took the mirror. Yeah, were the goblins there just to scavenge their corpses? Or, like, did they instigate it and then they attacked each other anyway? Like, there's clearly a third party in play. Unclear. Also, a character later expresses surprise at the fact that goblins exist. So, the fact that, like, goblins were there should have been the big deal reveal, but instead it's entirely focused on the fact that, that these dudes killed each other. That is a very good point, because, like, I feel like Chris Hemsworth pulls this spear out and is immediately like, oh, this is a goblin spear. But then, like, two scenes later, people are like, literally, we don't even know if goblins exist or not. And I'm like, then how did he know that that was a goblin spear? Guess he's... He's the best. The best. He's the best. He's the best. But, so then he says, we need to get off the road. They're in the middle of the forest. Yeah, they're in the middle of the forest. We need to get off the road. <laughs> so they find a tavern. We see a long, an establishing shot of the tavern. The establishing shot includes the road. <laughs> Nailed it. Chris they Hemsworth. Took a <laughs> I mean, technically the tavern is off the road. It's just right next to the road. Our tavern. In the middle of the road. (laughs) So they go to a tavern. And some dudes come to the tavern. And they're like, hey, what's up? And the dwarves are like, hey, we're traveling with the huntsmen. And they're like, no shit, you're the huntsmen. We're looking for you. Because they're from the evil queen. They even say, what, like. Were huntsmen. Yeah, because huntsmen is the name of the soldiers that the child or that the child soldiers that the queen makes. Mm-hmm. They're all the huntsmen, plural, M E N. And then since he defected and is the only huntsman in the good kingdom, he is the huntsman, M A N. They really couldn't have thought of a better noun for that. So they're like, oh. You're the guy we're supposed to come get and or kill. And he's like, oh man, now I gotta fight you guys. So they fight. And then somebody else shows up. And it's his girlfriend. It's Sarah. She shows up in a mask and does a bunch of badass ninja moves. Yeah, so many flips. Yeah, and then shoots a perfect arrow. And then he looks at her and she pulls her mask off. And she's like, yeah, it's me. I didn't die when you saw me get stabbed. (gasps) So wait, the audience literally, visually witnessed this character get stabbed. But then, we find out 
that actually the evil queen, her ice powers extend to illusion television projector <laughs> things. Yeah. So she just made the ice wall look clear and made Eric see Sarah be dead. And she made Sarah see Eric run away. Right, so he stayed. He's, like, pounding on the ice wall. It's all dramatic, and his knuckles are all bleeding, because that's not fraught imagery <laughs> for women. So he's, like, punching this wall, because his girlfriend. But she sees him just turn around away, and he sees her be dead. Which, again, could be interestingly done right we have this character who hates love she loved her boyfriend and she loved her baby and that love betrayed her so she wants to use her like magical powers to psychologically manipulate other people into believing that love is a failure and a betrayal you could do something really cool with that even in the fantasy setting that's an interesting direction to go. Yeah. Well, I think if they had, they could have even done something like, they could have done a really cool shot where you you can give the audience this sense of dramatic irony if the audience knows more than the characters. So right. if when he saw her die, we had this like 180 degree kind of panning shot where he's pounding on the ice wall, but then the camera moves around and we see her up against the ice wall and see her view of him running away. Yeah. And we don't have this whole 20 minutes of having lied to the audience yes. for, like, the tiniest reveal. Yeah. That that scene upset me twice because the first time I saw it, I didn't know what the, the quote-unquote twist was going to be because I was like, oh, this is bullshit. They're just fridging his girlfriend to motivate him. Except then, you know, 20 minutes later, it's revealed that she wasn't killed at all. And I was like, God damn it, movie. Why did you let me believe that you were a shitty movie for 20 minutes? I'm so frustrated with this thing in TV and movies now where they give you zero indication of something. And then they're like, surprise. And then they're like, clever. Yeah, we're so brilliant plot twist. Like, no, just straight up telling the audience one thing and then telling them a different thing is not a clever plot twist. It's just retconning your own movie. Yes. yes. So <laughs> that's one of the terrible things about the writing of this movie. It also sets up what I think is the worst thing about the writing of this movie, which is that Sarah does not trust Eric because he promised I'll never leave your side. And she saw him leave her side so even though he's like that was a trick that was an illusion she doesn't really believe him which good on her like that's kind of a bullshit story but the audio or the writers excuse me the writers or the writer somebody's nephew is now in this position of in order to make this romance work which is obviously part of the central plot quote-unquote of the movie she has to have a reason to believe him again. So we're going to put a pin in this. We know that the writers are stuck in a way that they have to establish her trusting him again. They're going to have to write that in. They're going to have to give them a scene. They're going to have to develop that. They know this. They do it in the worst (laughs) way. They do it 
in a way that's the equivalent of an alien coming to Earth and wanting to throw a dinner party and hearing that you have to serve something sweet after dinner for dessert. And so they just bring out a bowl of sugar for everyone. Like, yeah, that works. That's a sweet thing you can eat. It technically qualifies as a dessert. But it's lazy to the point of being just not even a good version of what it's supposed to be. It's lazy and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, to establish what this bowl of sugar actually is, yeah. our, our group of four, now the, the dwarves. The two dwarves. The two dwarves, yep. The huntsman and Sarah, they go find the goblins. And they go to this goblin area that's very jungly, and they just kind of come upon it right away. There's no, like, tracking that they do. There's no following clues. Just like, oh, there, there's the mirror. The right timelines of the this open. movie make no sense. Yeah. Like, they could have been wandering for weeks. The mirror could have been really hard to find. Uh, I mean, who knows? We'll, we'll never know, because the movie did yeah. not tell us. <laughs> there is an extended version, which none of us have seen. So maybe they include that. <laughs> it's, it's The extended version is just, like, little, uh, like, title cards, like, cut in. With uh, one week later, Spongebob style. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so they get to where the goblins are, but then there's a bunch of dead goblins. Oh, good golly gosh, the mirror corrupts people and makes them turn on their their brethren and kill them. Even goblins. Oh. Even goblins. We have no new information. (laughs) It's just like, oh, the goblins have the mirror and the mirror is evil. So now let's have a ninja fight scene with some goblins. Yeah, so a big goblin shows up. I was entirely convinced this whole time, the whole fight scene, that these were not the goblins. These were just some other creatures. Because the the goblins, quote unquote, they're very like ape inspired. It's a very cool design. They have like horns and it looks like they paint themselves with like the gold they steal. Like they melt it down and they use it as like uh, status markings or something. It's a very cool look. Uh, but like they're they're very like hairless ape kind of looking creatures. And I had no idea what we were supposed to be looking for. I have with yeah, these I have goblins. never seen any other like fantasy type thing that has goblins that look anything like this. Yeah, so it's it's a really cool imaginative design, but like they also say when they come into the clearing and see the mirror on the other side of the clearing, they say, Oh no, all of the goblins are dead. So when this new creature shows up, I'm like, oh shit, what is this thing? Is it gonna like, is it gonna be established that this is like a really super famous creature that they're gonna have to deal with? No, those are the goblins. <laughs> There's just more of them. There's more yeah. of them. They're not all dead like the movie just told us two seconds ago. <laughs> so they kill the big bad goblin. and grab- After he smells them. Oh, oh he, yeah. He's so, they spend a long time trying to make this like... Uh, suspenseful scene work. They where just really want to do the Jurassic Park. They really want to do the Jurassic Park thing, but there's nothing to establish that, like, since they didn't know goblins existed until five minutes ago, there's nothing to establish that, like, oh, okay, goblins can't see you if you move, or goblins only see treasure, which is how the goblin eventually finds them. Is he someone picked up a ruby or something and they're still holding it? No, that's it. the the goblin arrowhead that they took from the original fight scene. So they got caught in a net by some dwarf women who apparently have to catch male dwarves in nets to sleep with them, which is a gross joke. 
any joke about non-consent is gross. But there's lots of established, quote-unquote, comedy about how male dwarves hate female dwarves and thinks they're really ugly. This this actually reminds me of how the scene in the bar fight got started because the whole scene is basically a quote-unquote joke about the male dwarves dissing on female dwarves and as soon as that joke ends which is not funny it's just really uncomfortable uh the the new huntsmen or like this the huntsmen who are still loyal to the queen come up and are like whoa are those your kids which is a not that insulting and b the dwarves get super offended and i'm like you guys just spent a good two minutes ragging on how ugly female dwarves are and like you're gonna immediately be offended how hypocritical is that yeah it's almost like a parody of those guys who are like they don't like themselves so they make fun of women and everyone is a fat ugly whatever whatever and they're just cruel but you dare say anything about them yeah they're like no i'm god's gift to women but women are gross that's basically how the dwarves sound. Yeah, that's yeah. like a hundred percent how the dwarves are written. But except it's also completely unironic. It's straight. It's completely yeah. written straight. You're supposed to be like, oh, it's so funny that yeah. dwarf men and dwarf women hate, hate each, each other. other. Okay, so they get caught by these female dwarves. Um, they're all they all go to the goblins. They fight the goblins. Here's where it gets bad. The goblins, too many of them. So they're fighting off the big bad goblin. And then a whole swarming bunch more comes. And they're swarming. And Chris Hemsworth, Eric, he pulls that classic, You guys go, I'll hold them off. Which, as you recall, is what kills a character in the Hunger Games. Because the Hunger Games is good. So he pulls the whole, like, you go, I'll hold them off. I'm sacrificing myself. So they're, like, running, and he's fighting. He, like, chops the bridge. Yeah, there's a rope bridge. So to prevent the goblins from following his compatriots, he hatchet chops the bridge. So this is the writers being like, oh, he promised never to leave her. And then he left her, or she thinks he left him. So how do we have him prove to her that he'll sacrifice his life for her, but we can't actually kill him because that would defeat the point? Let's just have this really overwrought, cheesy, unsubtle, I chop the rope bridge behind you and I sacrifice myself. But then he does like a sweet flip over the abyss and he's back i survived so it like one it completely destroys all of the heroism that yeah he was supposedly like clearly showing. he did not have a hard time escaping and two if the problem was that she didn't trust him because he left her what he does to attempt and redeem himself is leave her no, it like yes. saves her. He doesn't but save his own skin. In the form of leaving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Baffling. Just yeah. not a healthy picture of romance. Not a healthy picture of writing. But she's just totally smitten by it. Yeah, she's like, oh, now we're in love. So now they've ki- they kill the goblins. They have the mirror. They have the mirror. And they are headed to Sanctuary, which is a place that you 
only ever hear the name of. Yeah, but clearly it's safe because yeah. it's called Sanctuary. That's just it. That's it. You yeah. gotta get there. They gotta they gotta take the mirror there. Yeah. They have a just like cloth over the mirror so that they don't look into it and get turned evil by it. But while they're sleeping at night, it slips off. The wind knocks it off. They have terrible opsec yeah. with this mirror. Like, why did they not just put the mirror face down on the ground while they were sleeping? Maybe cover it up with leaves so that somebody walking by isn't like, whoa, isn't that, isn't that the, like, super powerful magic mirror that I've heard legends about? I should kill these people and take it. Um, but then it falls off. Chris Hemsworth looks into the mirror. It whispers evil things to him. Just generically evil things. And... He resists. He's like, I don't want to be evil. And he throws the blanket back on it. And then the evil ice queen shows back up. Vivian, what's she writing? She is writing, uh, as far as I can tell, what is half a jaguar and half an ice bear. Because its shape is 100% a bear, but then its face is kind of like a long jaguar face, and also it has spots. So then it is revealed that Sarah was actually sent to retrieve Eric by the Ice Queen. Which begs the question of, why did the Ice Queen send a group of her men and Sarah separately to just like she she gets Sarah to get Eric's trust by killing a bunch more huntsmen like there were probably ways to do that that didn't involve just like eight of your child soldiers getting murdered she has plenty of them though she does yeah I don't think there's any shortage of child soldiers Ah. I, I figured it was basically she sent them after Eric and or the mirror and she sent Sarah after Eric and or the mirror figuring someone would get to him because either you've got a whole troop of soldiers or you have Sarah which as previously established is the best so she turns out that she was just um faking it which is actually a pretty alright twist and (laughs) Rob what's the number one character trait they give to Sarah Oh, she doesn't miss. She doesn't miss. Or as she says, I never miss. <laughs> and I would be embarrassed of how bad my accent is, but I'm I'm not, I'm trying to show she literally at multiple parts of the movie just goes, oh, I never miss. It's bad. It's so bad. So now that we've established that she never misses, the ice queen is like, hey, you got the mirror. Good job. Hop on my ice bear. Let's go back home to ice place. And she's like, you should kill him. I'm going to prove to you. I'm going to prove to everyone that love is the worst and you have been cured of it. So kill this guy. So she shoots him with an arrow and he falls down and it looks like he's dead. But he's not because she shot him exactly where that pendant is. Remember I said the pendant would come back? Everything in this movie is either telegraphed with the heaviest hand or it comes out of nowhere. (laughs) Like, there's no 
There's in between. no middle ground. They have nope. not figured out how to do the middle ground. No, where, there's no subtlety. Where things are like, oh, I should have seen that coming. Like, yeah. Nope. You either saw it coming or there's no possible way. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the first act is just a thousand Chekhov's guns on the wall. And then this, the third act, all the guns go off. And also there's a grenade launcher. <laughs> which we never saw. But like, don't worry about it. So she shoots him in the necklace, and he, when he wakes up, the dwarves are like, oh, she missed. And he's like, she never misses. He says it twice. So he's like, she was sending me the message <laughs> that she still loves me. So we should go to the Ice Kingdom. And I should I should rescue her and yeah. the mirror. Yeah, so they go to the Ice Kingdom. And then he does hatchet parkour. Yeah, he. Oh my god. Well, first, first he gets. He decides to have the dwarves infiltrate by disguising them as children, pretending to be children yeah. soldiers. I guess. Yeah, part of a new. They, they they clearly get a caravan of kidnapped children like, every day. There's just always new cage wagons coming in with scared peasant kids. Like just an endless supply. So they just throw the dwarves in. The dwarves get caught. And frozen? That's when she freezes the dwarves? Yeah. Yeah, so she freezes them. They don't really gain anything from sending the dwarves in, if I remember correctly. It just kind of, like, like, they just, it's just a reason for the dwarves to not be in the plot for Act 3. But then he does the hatchet parkour, and he, like, drops in on the Ice Queen... Well, the the end of Hatchet Parkour isn't even that he has, has accomplished anything. He, like, falls onto a roof. Like, he's... The the setup for Hatchet Parkour is he's he's climbed this incredibly high ice cliff. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to jump from this ice cliff over this incredibly high building with very steep roof tiles onto this, uh, you know, ice palace that the Ice Queen clearly lives in. But then he misjudges his jump and misses terribly falls down like 10 roofs and uh that are all made of ice they're all Mm -hmm. no they're all just made of roof tiles because the the ice queen's palace allegedly is the only thing made out of ice which i'm pretty sure we did not see when we were in her like kingdom for (laughs) the first part of the movie uh but it's just like these normal ass roof tiles and I'm like, wow, that was terrible parkour. And then Chris Hemsworth says, this was a terrible idea. The only example <laughs> of fourth wall breaking in this movie, mm-hmm. which has a narrator twice who is nobody and has nothing to do with the fictional conceits of the movie. Nope. And then we've got a fourth wall break. It just, I don't know. Okay, so now oh. the best part is about to start. Yeah. But the, so cut to the next scene. Chris Hemsworth is like inside the Ice Queen's palace. Somewhere along here, we've skipped one big reveal. Right, but we're going through the hatchet parkour. Okay. Which starts with insane crevice jump, hatchet parkour, and then somehow he's in the palace. Yeah. So we're going to close that loop. <laughs> and now we'll talk about the other thing that happens while he is doing hatchet parkour. Which is that the Ice Queen who now has the mirror, which we didn't know what she was going to do with the mirror, and so she uses it. It turns out her sister's in it. The evil queen. The evil gold queen. That was defeated in the first movie. 
But, like, she also doesn't know. Emily Blunt doesn't know that Ravenna, yeah. the evil gold queen, is in the mirror. No, yeah. she just starts talking to the mirror. All, all she knows yeah. is this mirror is really it's powerful. powerful. How do I act? Like, I remember this being the way to activate it. She can't find the manual. Yeah. So she just starts trying shit. And then her She's sister comes out in this amazing CGI melted gold fabric thing. Oh man. It looks amazing. Yeah. I I cannot stress how badass the costumes in this movie are. And the prop design and everything except the mirror. Oh, we didn't talk about Moss Snake and Moss Turtle. I'll just put a picture of Moss Snake and Moss Turtle in the in the show notes if I can find pictures of them. They really do carry the whole movie. Um, so yeah so cool melting gold mirror turns into evil sister queen who's charlie's theron and says every single one of her lines like a dominatrix which we'll get to later (laughs) and then chris hemsworth shows back up after doing hardship parkour and she goes oh huntsman i've missed you and it's amazing it's in the trailers. It's the best line. It's so good. Which, also, the fact that they've revealed the Gold Queen in the trailers makes this not really a twist, again. Oh, see, I... The movie is so impossible to follow. Like, this summary <laughs> makes it sound way more coherent than it actually is. <laughs> like, I had totally forgotten... Any connections that I, I the the trailer makes no sense, the movie makes no sense. We're actually doing it a disservice by doing such a summary because we're not capturing how baffling at every when I first show the movie to people, I like to do this exercise where at random points I stop the movie and I ask, What's going on? Like what are they doing? What's and my friends, yeah, what's at stake? What are you rooting for? Like in Lord of the Rings, you're like, oh, I sure hope they get to Mount Doom and destroy the ring. Yeah. Or during Hunger like, Games, you're like, oh, I sure hope Katniss Everdeen survives and gets back to her family. In this movie, you're like, oh, they sure are trying to do stuff. Yeah. Oh, I, I sure hope that the evil queen doesn't get the the mirror. Oh, the evil queen got the mirror. Uh, wait, shit, what does that, what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah, it becomes so glaringly obvious when she has the mirror and they have to go after it. It's just like, I don't know why I care that she has it. Yeah, Yeah. the movie starts with like, we gotta move the mirror, but then it didn't work moving it, so we need the huntsman to go help to mirror things. But then goblins have it. Like, (laughs) it's baffling. Yeah. But, God, they they just start doing a bunch of fight scenes. Well, they have this really purring, moody conflict between the two sisters. Yeah. Where Ice Queen finds out that Evil Queen mind-controlled her boyfriend to fire-kill her baby. Mm-hmm. And they have a little bit of, like, sibling rivalry because now, you know, the Ice Queen brought up this whole army and the Gold Queen's just like... Great, I've got an army. Yeah, they. Yep. the evil queen is like, I've been stuck in this mirror. I want to go capture some kingdoms. And the ice queen is like, I've kind of got my thing going here. I don't you, really... You, like, died? This is my thing now. Yeah, so they're not super into each other. But they, like, they glare at each other in this really intense way. 
if they weren't sisters, it would have a very different energy in this scene. Uh, Very strange. Yeah. They straight up, there's one part where they pu- she puts up this giant ice wall between her soldiers and herself and her sister so that she can have a private argument with her sister. Yeah. <laughs> this movie 100% passes the battle test, which is amazing. Oh, God. There are four main <laughs> characters, and three of them are women, and they talk to each other all the time about, like, you got to get your magical powers, and it's let's never about a, a man. No, yeah, it's like oh, there's the huntsman. The only time they're talking about the huntsman is usually when they're talking to him. Like, yeah, they never care when he's out of scene. <laughs> it's just kind of like there's this guy who might fuck up our day. Again, stakes very unclear. <laughs> so there's this ice wall that she has just conjured out of nowhere, and they start climbing it, and she realizes that a really good way to and that is to just disappear the ice wall. So they all fall out of the middle of the air, which is great. <laughs> and then the Gold Queen... This is another thing I take issue with in this movie. Nobody's magical powers are remotely consistent. So the Ice Queen... Like, ice is a thing. I understand ice magic. There's a point where she freezes somebody's face. There's a point where she puts out a fire. But she also has these... TV projection illusion powers, and she also has the spy owl, which don't have anything to do with each other. And then the gold queen has mind control and also chess poison and also gold melting things. And just like kind of like spiked leg thing. That's where I was going. So she has this melted black latex looking stuff, which again, put a pin in that, that she starts flinging out in whip spikes to fight people. And then the Ice Queen is like, I'm not super into this anymore now that I found out that you killed my baby. There's also a little bit of just like, I didn't know we were going to go the tentacle route with this. Yeah. (laughs) So then she uses her ice powers to collaborate with the Huntsman because she freezes the mirror so that it can be shattered, which then shatters the Gold Queen, which again, amazing CGI, Mm -hmm. spectacularly beautiful movie. And that's pretty much the end. Wait, what? I I don't actually remember. What's the resolution with the Ice Queen? There, I don't think there is one. She dies. they They unfreeze all the people. She dies somehow, but. They shatter the mirror. Which kills the mirror queen. I think the mirror queen had injured Ice Queen. With one of the spikes. Yeah. Yeah, because she uses, like, her last energy to send the freezing. And then all the child soldiers are liberated. The end. Which then also brings the stakes of, so we didn't really need the Huntsman at all? Because these two evil queens just killed each other. Well, she needed the Huntsman to shatter the mirror. But like any other Huntsman who was there who could have shattered the mirror. Yeah. yeah. We we didn't need to import this guy from the South for that. We just kind of no. needed somebody to throw an axe at it. But he was the catalyst for the other child soldiers to be like, oh, the power of love, let's rise up against our brainwasher queen. But they could yeah. have just been defending their brainwasher queen against this other gold queen who just showed up. 
Okay, do you want $13 to edit this script? (laughs) So that's the end of the movie. They live happily ever after. All of the dwarves unfreeze and get married. Oh yeah, the dwarves unfreeze. And oh yeah, they they just decide, you know, like, life's too short. Let's, yeah, let's be into women, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Rob's motto, life's (laughs) too short, let's be into women, I guess. So that's the movie. Sure the whole was. movie. <laughs> it, I think when when summarizing it like this, it does come out a lot more uh, coherent. Right. When you explain <laughs> it with words, yeah. it makes more sense than when there's just a whole bunch of moving pictures and occasional dialogue. The way that this movie feels is after you wake up from a dream... And you remember that things in the dream made sense and had connections, but you can't put your finger on how they were connected. 100%. You're like, oh, we were at my old school and we had to go to France and there was a reason. Like, it made sense, but I have no idea. But we had to go to France. And so then we were in France and that's how the movie feels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like, this is happening now. It's very important. Yeah. Why is it important? Because it's what's happening. Yeah. Yep. I mean, some of it also just feels like we really want to hit these, like, CGI notes. Just oh. like, you know, we know that, you know, Planet of the Apes is doing well. So we want to get some ape monsters in here. <laughs> so let's have a scene with goblins. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. you know, Frozen did well. So let's get lots of ice powers in here in mm-hmm. really fancy CGI. I would yeah, watch I... a sequel that's just Moss Turtle and Moss Snake. <laughs> just doing stuff. Not even, like, adventure stuff. They're just, no. like, being a, a, a turtle and a snake. Just, like, a live stream yeah. of yeah, the Moss Turtle. <laughs> that would be pretty incredible. It would be more coherent than this movie. Just, yeah. like, an hour of a CGI turtle doing stuff. Yeah. T- to me, I think I had a similar takeaway to Rob, where it was, uh... I felt like they had like three or four really good like powerful scenes and moments that they wanted to write and like one of them was definitely the last fight scene and then they just like shot it and realized that it was only 45 minutes long (laughs) (laughs) and then they just had to like haphazardly throw things into the middle of those scenes that somewhat explained what happened they told the actors they told chris hemsworth and charlie theron and jessica chastain they were doing improv warm-up exercises and just sort of pulling ideas out of a hat. Like, now you're in a tavern. Now you're on a river. Now you're yelling. <laughs> and they just shot it that. all on a green screen. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just like, we'll just put you wherever. We'll fix it in post. It's just a long whose line is it anyway yeah. sketch. It, it also just feels really weird that the actors who are the dwarves are like, CGI'd into being dwarves. Yes. Like they're, they didn't get dwarf actors to play the dwarf parts. I think probably we were remiss in this earlier. Uh, you might be thinking of dwarves when we said there are dwarves in this movie. You might be thinking of dwarves like Lord of the Rings. They're, you know, stout uh, and mountain dwelling and not like anything that actually exists in real life. The dwarves in this movie are little people, like a real medical condition that exists. Except they're not played by actors who have yes. those conditions. No. They are normal actors. Nick Frost. Nick Frost. And who's the other one played by? It's a guy who's on QI all the time. And he's always real surly, just like his, his character in this. So I have to say one last thing, and we should probably start wrapping up. 
on my like seventh watch of this movie with different people. I've seen this movie so many times just because I take it upon myself to make sure the people I care about see this movie because it's important to me. Um, I think it's just it's just really critical to their well-being and their lives that they get to enjoy this. I own it to that end. On my seventh or eighth watching, it occurred to me that this movie makes perfect sense if you headcanon that all of the characters are just normal people acting out kink fetish scenes, which explains the terrible acting, how attractive all the people are, the fact that most of the budget seems to have gone to set and costumes, the bizarre, over-the-top sadism and violence in between kind of chill scenes the weird shiny latex whip spikes just all sorts of stuff in this movie is like oh this is like if a bunch of people were constructing a fantasy scene in their heads and just kind of acting it out like in uh, like Harmon Quest, where they animate what the people are imagining. Yeah, this is like if people had a bajillion dollar budget for their for Harmon Quest for Harmon Quest for their fan, but it's like a sexy Harmon Quest. They they kidnap people and they have big black latex spikes and they have these swooshy dresses and mind control and all sorts of stuff. So that's my official headcanon for this movie they totally could have redeemed it by just having the final shot of Charlize Theron Emily Blunt Chris Hemsworth and Jessica Chastain like snuggling drinking Gatorade <laughs> being like yeah that was a pretty good time yeah yeah. That was, was that good for you? That yeah was good for me. no one's gonna be like oh how did those scenes fit together? you know nobody watches porn is like how did they get from the bed to the no, no, there's just like scene and then a scene and then they have what they need. <laughs> Doesn't have to have a coherent plot. So that's that's my official theory. I like it. I think that that makes the most sense out of anything yeah. that happened in this movie. <laughs> Maybe that's what's in the extended version. Maybe it really just is the four characters. It's it's more plot twist reveals yeah. that there is no way you could have seen them coming. Yeah. Unless you're you. Unless you're me. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> So unless anybody else has any other comments on this gem of a movie. Honestly, the fact that we've spoiled everything will enhance your experience of the movie. <laughs> it will not detract. You should see this movie. I believe strongly that your life will be improved oh, yeah. if you see this movie. It's a pretty good time. See it with friends. Yeah. Definitely don't watch it alone. You, no. you have to watch yeah. it with friends. Yeah. You have to... You have to watch it with a group or you can heckle it, too. Right. You, yeah. If someone's yeah. like, shh, I'm trying to listen, they're, yeah. not, they're not, they should not be... Kick that person out. You pick the wrong person <laughs> yeah. to watch this movie In fact, with. knowing the plot ahead of time will make sure that no yeah. one is no. doing that. No one is. No one should be confused, because that's just the point of the movie, is that nothing <laughs> makes sense. So there are f- very few movies that are comparable to this. There are a lot of just crappy, mediocre, poorly written fantasy dreck. That's just a thing that exists. Mm-hmm. But movies that are this spectacularly fun and bafflingly like, bad. Th- this combination of, like, bad with A-list actors and a budget. 
um, is, oh my god, it's just such a rarity. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the Brothers Grimm, which came out in 2005, which I saw on a date with a boy who rode my school bus who did medieval LARPing and had a crush on me, so I'll always have a special place in my heart for that weird <laughs> date that I went on. It was also just over-the-top fantasy with a plot that made no sense and unnecessarily charming protagonist. Yeah, and then Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters has a similar, like, we're trying to revive this fairy tale story as something like gritty and real, um, but it, and it's just over the top in how actiony it is. But if I remember correctly, which I might not be, it's a it's more coherent and it's a little bit more effective at its fight scenes because they're not so overly choreographed. It's actually referenced in the review that made me want to see this movie as a fair comparison. So good job, Rob. <laughs> Way to steal from the article. <laughs> we will link that article in the show notes. <laughs> and if you want to be part of the Garbage Club, if you want to be a Garbo. One of our Garbos. You a should Garbo watch this us. movie. And if you watch the extended version, please tell us what's in it. Oh, yeah. We don't know what's, what's We there. haven't watched it. Uh, so I'm just going to pop in my recommendation also, which is for uh, Now You See Me. Which is, I think, in the, a similar category of really high-budget actors with a, like, n- kind of nonsensical script. Uh, again, it's better than this one, but also includes a twist that they do not give you any hints to and possibly outright lie to the, the viewer about. And they just, they just run with it. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend that one. I'm Lily. You can find me at lilydodge.tumblr. I'm Rob. You can find me at the Rob Juicy on the Twitters. <laughs> That's the one with the bird. Yeah, the bluebird. I'm Vivian, and yeah, we have a Tumblr now. Uh, it's thegarbagepodcast.tumblr.com, and the last thing is the actual website, which is uh, thegarbage.club. That's us. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys in two weeks. Bye, Bye. Garbos. Keep it garbage. <laughs> Keep it garbage. <laughs> 